Hey, this is Alejandro Escovedo, and I'm hanging out at Skipper's After Hours. And I'm going to just ask you to listen to 88.5 WMNF, Tampa, Florida. It's the station that tells the truth and plays the truth. Peace. Here comes the sun, I say it's all right. Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Today, we are talking with Bob Lindy, a acupuncture physician and registered herbalist. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the wonderful Annie Ellis. Hi, Annie. Hi, Kenny. <laughs> You're waiting for me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and we have uh, Mr. Bill Grace working the boards, and we're excited for this show, so stay tuned as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Hey, what'd you do this weekend, Kenny? Well, it is going to be very, it was kind of cold last night, and it's going to be very cold next weekend. So yesterday I trimmed probably a thousand carnivorous plants, and I started moving them indoors. Yeah. And by indoors, I mean the heated greenhouse. Right. The pool area, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, it was a plant planty weekend. I hear you. That's what mine was, too. I I, um, worked in my garden, and I transplanted two whole flats of started uh, lettuces and basil and onions and tomatoes and added to my soil content and put free things out on the street. It was a great day. I love this weather, actually. You can go out there and work forever, except that it is going to be cold and we have to plan ahead because I'm afraid for my bananas. (laughs) I put my cell phone into this little glass bowl, kind of like a fishbowl, basically. Mm -hmm. And you could be on the other side of my yard and hear the music playing from my cell phone because it just... Amplified it. Oh, that's right. So there's no reason to be buying devices. You can just put a phone in a bowl. Did you know that before? Or did you just? Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) I love that idea. And then the bowl kind of protects the phone because, you know, I'm watering stuff, cutting stuff, and then I I don't have to have it on me. I stick it in the top pocket of my overalls because that's my uniform for working in the garden. I got about 10 pair. Another (laughs) thing that I did, which was just fun, was. I uh, got post-it notes. I drew the silhouette of a carnivorous plant on the post-it note. I rolled out cookie dough. I made... (laughs) Oh, you made carnivorous cookies? I made carnivorous plant-themed cookies. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. I'll share them on our... WMNF oh, Sustainable Living that. Facebook page. That's, so I mean, feed me, Seymour. <laughs> but, so, so that was the template, but my friend's going to cut some wood. Then she's going to put um, metal around the wood, heat it up, cool it down, and then she's going to make us like custom Real carnivorous one. plant-themed yeah. uh, cookie cutters oh, because the it. ones that I did were about three by three. And because of that size in my hands, they're not as dexterous as I want them to be. So the details are not quite there. So we want the cookies to be a little bit bigger. I love it. I think decorating it would be amazing as well. So uh, so let me just talk about uh, Bob for a second because he is here live with us. We're thrilled to death. Um, and he took a, a long route to becoming an herbalist and an acupuncturist. His careers include commercial lobster and conch diver, which is so interesting, uh, treasure hunter, 
wilderness youth counselor, infantry man, and desert storm, and Greenpeace worker. And Bob is the owner of Acupuncture and Herbal Therapies at, and the Tradition School of Herbal Studies in St. Petersburg, Florida. He's been serving the Tampa Bay community for another for other uh, 25 years, over 25 years. Um, so teaching about medi- medical, ugh, easy for me to say, <laughs> teaching about medicinal and edible plants that grow in your own backyard. Well, and uh, just in the wild as well. And Bob recently completed 12 episodes for IMTI-TV. Oh, uh, well, I don't know. Sen- Sen- Sun Sion con Bob Lindy. Oh, thank you so much, because I was going to massacre that. So thank you. Everybody's fixing my mic. Apparently, I'm not good. Thank you for all that uh, professional help there. I appreciate it. Uh, so so anyway, uh, let's see. And anyway, it was about an exploration of indigenous people's herbal practices. So I know you've been around a really long time in this area. And, you know... I actually went on an herb walk uh, at Sweetwater Farm. Oh, wonderful. And it was with you, and it was fantastic. And uh, I learned an incredible amount about, um, you know, what is already there if we just know what to do with it. And, you know, so what do you do, you know, as an herbalist? I mean, you do these walks, but t- just talk about what it is, is it to be an herbalist, Bob? Yeah. You know, and always exciting to be here, and especially oh, on this we're show. So it's grateful like, for yeah, you, And uh, having the opportunity to talk about herbal medicine is always an exciting thing for me. And I get asked that a lot. Like, how do you define an herbalist? What is an herbalist? And there's not a good answer um, because <laughs> there there are so many different permutations as to what an herbalist is. And although I practice Chinese herbal medicine and acupuncture, and that's great, but if we look at the sustainability aspect of that, eh, it's not that sustainable to be growing things uh, you know, so far away and shipping them over here. And one of the things I always like to talk about is the indigenous people that lived here in Florida, long before the Europeans showed up, they survived forever. So all of the medicine that they need to be a successful culture um, was already here. And so for us to regain that knowledge of what is our local plants, our bioregional plants. And so for me, herbalism can be many levels for the very complex issues where I might need really specialized herbs that come from outside the area. But for the day-to-day issues that all of us, colds and flu and sprains and strains and bug bites, all of that stuff's here already. And so for so many people to regain that knowledge about these plants that are already here that we don't have to plant. We just have to not mow. You know, that's really interesting because, you know, uh, we talk about natives um, and native plants and how the native animals, uh, you know, that's what they need are the native plants. Yes. uh, And the native insects and the native birds, the native everything, uh, snakes, whatever. They need the native plants because that is going to work for their system here. And I know it just until you said that, I don't know why. I I separated (laughs) us from the animals and didn't associate that the native, of course I knew that taking native honey is always better because it has the pollen from your area, so it's great for people that have allergies. Uh, it helps them and in, in such. So that you know, that's really interesting. That I, I'm sure I'm not the only person that didn't think that way. We, we always know? like the things that are exotic and all of our superfoods and our our adaptogen herbs, all of these amazing things. 
But the reality is sometimes broccoli doesn't look exciting to us, but if you it lack the nutrients, <laughs> <laughs> if you lack those nutrients that are, are key in broccoli, yeah. then that is a superfood for you. And yeah. so eating the diversity and those things that grow in our environment are the best because they're adapted to our environment. Interesting that you say that. When you are talking about the honey, how close do the bees and the honey need to be from where you live That's to be question. effective? You know, we all say that. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, I like some good honesty. local wild honey without a doubt. And I know people who claim that they've been successful with that. Um, and I, I will say that I'm like, it isn't going to hurt. So, right. um, and I love honey, but I'm thinking like, peop, you know, we're in uh, Tampa. So in like Sarasota, they might have a couple of different plants and trees and flowers well, that, that maybe aren't affecting my sinus problems. Right, yeah, because right. the pollen's a little bit different there, no doubt. You know, different ones are, are happening at different times. But yeah. I'm in Tampa, so like USF, is, the Botanical Gardens is only maybe five minutes away They're from taking those bees out. They've taken the yeah. bees out there. Well, historically. They yeah, historically. And the but, trick is also to find out why you might have allergies because seasonal pollen allergies is one small reason that's not actually as like when the oak pollen drops and blankets our cars. People go nuts. We know that. Yeah. But right now, all the people who are within a mile of the coastline are being plagued by sinus issues and cough from the red tide. Right. Uh, and it might also be these lovely food choices. It's the holidays. All of our sinuses <laughs> sugar, you sugar, know, sugar. are challenged. Yeah. So the honey doesn't necessarily help with those other ones. And there's other plants, though, that are present that are already weeds in your yard, you know, and uh, those are med medicinal weeds uh, mm -hmm. that may help based on how come you might be dealing with those chronic sinus issues. That's interesting because I can stick my head in a bag of, uh, of pollen. And it does not touch <laughs> not a problem, me. Not right? touch me at all. Yeah. I don't know why. It's yeah. the oddest thing. But, yeah, I can just... Totally, nothing affects me like that at all. Now, maybe You're if I, lucky. I know I am, I'm very grateful for it. But I know that, uh, like, if I moved somewhere else, then that would be a different pollen. So there's entirely yeah. that. But you know, there's so many beekeepers around here that sell honey. I always try to get local anyway, just to support them. Yeah. You know, because that's that's a better way to go. I, I'm super lucky. My next door neighbor. Uh, is a bee farmer yeah. and has all the plants. And yeah. so, you know, how's your day, honey? I was like, I just... Oh, like, I love her. I just reach Alicia. across the fence and Alicia gives, hooks me she's, up with some local honey. <laughs> she is the best, isn't she? She really is, I just yeah. love her. Um, that's where I get a lot of my honey, too, yeah. actually. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so so how do you become an herbalist, Poof, If you're an herbalist, you're listening to this channel. <laughs> uh, so the reality is there's a thousand different paths to becoming an herbalist. And I would argue undefined but kind of different levels of herbalism. Um, and so I actually started learning herbalism very young and I was mostly self-taught. Um, learned about some local plants. At the time, there wasn't formal schools or anything yeah. like that. And, you know, I, there wasn't the internet, so I couldn't Google it and I didn't know about some of the schools that for, further afield. But you can take formal training from herb schools like ours. Um, acupuncture school sometimes teaches it. Some of the naturopathic colleges around the country also incorporate herbal medicine, but based from a medicinal standpoint rather than an energetic standpoint. And it can also be passed down culturally. So you either somebody in your community has knowledge and they you apprentice with them, or it may be your grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, and within those different levels... You've also, I, I remember the first time I was in the Amazon, I was in the Peruvian Amazon, 
And we started in Iquitos and we started to go upstream. And what we saw was Iquitos was very much a, a rough kind. I always think of that as like the start of the Industrial Revolution as we knew it in the 1800s was kind of happening there. Oh. So we went upstream. The, the huts changed that the sides of the walls came down. It was to the point where you would happily eat off the floor there. But by the time we got there, and my guide was, his grandfather was an herbalist. He was, I was like, what is this patch of weeds in front of every house? And so that was their medicine cabinet. Oh, and, and so I love their, it. their gardens were perfectly manicured, but here was just these scrappy little weeds we didn't know about. Uh-huh. So every home, and, and if we think about it, every one of our grandmothers or our mothers, they knew what to do for poor sleep or a, a upset tummy or colds and flu. And as we moved out of that more traditional cultural uh, construct, we kind of forget. Now we know what goes on at CVS. Uh, and so without any medical training, you can go into CVS and treat lots of common safe illnesses. So within every home, there was somebody who knew how to take care of basic elements. With every group of homes, there was somebody I always equated to sort of like a nurse practitioner or a PA that could take care of those higher level things, help with birthing a baby. But sometimes there were more complex issues that required, in our culture, we'd say a specialist. And that was the shaman. And the shaman would work both on the spiritual aspects as well as the more complex physical medicine issues. And you would go and spend days with that person. So what's an herbalist? All of those. That's interesting. You know, when you said about going to the drugstore to to get the fix, you Mm -hmm. know, for whatever, I am amazed at how many people uh, don't think about going out and putting some aloe on any skin issue. It's the very first thing I think of when I have any skin issue, and most people don't even consider it, and they have it growing in their yard uh, or in a pot somewhere. I mean, it's surprising to me. It really is. Well, and there's, there's even simple things that, although it may not be native, something like chamomile is really powerful medicine. And it's all about knowing how to produce it and making it strong enough to do more than just be a nice little after-dinner tea. It's a strong, pain-killing, anti-spasmodic. Right. Um, and so you take five or six tea bags of chamomile and throw it in a pot. Now we're talking some strong medicine if you let it steep for a few hours. And that's the beauty of the knowledge, you know. So let me introduce ourselves again. Um, I'm Annie Ellis, and you're listening to Bob Lindy uh, at the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest, oh, <laughs> I put it down there, is Bob Lindy, uh, uh, APRH acupuncture physician, registered herbalist. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663. Text us at 813-433-0885 or send us an email at dj at wmf.org and we will read it on the air. And we do have uh, a couple of people on the line. Hi, Tom from St. Pete. Big, big fan of Mr. Lindy there. Wonderful. <laughs> Do you have a question or comment for yeah, I got, him? I got a couple of quick ones. I'm always quick. You know. um, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, the highly underrated placebo effect is shamanic healing, uh, just to get that out of the way. And I, I think the, uh, the best quality to become a, a healer is to like to read and just read and read and read and read and read. So, um, and um, I, I have two, two questions, but uh, my secondary question is, I wonder if you had uh, bees around, like, elder trees, if you'd get, like, medicinal bee pollen or medicinal honey, but that's secondary. My primary question is, 
these little brat Velcro, I don't know what they are, Bob. I want to know. You tell me. <laughs> um, they got these uh, green pods. It's like Velcro. Stick to any kind of material. I, I can't. I have never found a shoe or a sock or a pant leg that they don't stick to. Um, what are they? And what can they be? How, how can I eat them? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> it's it's really funny, uh, and I gotta say, like I agree with you. Intention has a powerful healing effect, and that shamanic effect. However, we choose to do it, the act of ceremony is huge. Um, there isn't a good answer about like, hey, if those bees are primarily harvesting from a forest of elder plants, uh, is that going to be better for colds and flu? And is a couple of different ways to think about that. And, and I would say probably. Um, we also look at fermentation, that if we made an elderberry wine out of something, would that have some medicinal effects? And I've seen a lot of research on it. It's on my list of things I want to do. Um, and I will say, you're right, you never stop learning. I will never know everything there is to learn about herbalism, even our local bioregional plants. I still study two hours most days um, of reading research, looking at new things, practicing my botany. And I'm guessing the plant you're talking about is probably Caesar weed. Um, Ooh, <laughs> and it is an invasive, unfortunately, and like aggressive invasive at yes. that. Um, although it's really pretty. It is. Uh, and the flowers are beautiful. The nice thing is, I know there's research. I've never used that for medicine. The flowers and the tender leaves can be eaten. It's in the mallow family, Malviaceae. And so I'll enjoy eating the, uh, the little pink flowers that come with it. And the young leaves, if they're cooked, are tender enough to eat. Uh, and it has some antimicrobial properties based on research rather than my own experience. And when we talk about mallows, and everybody knows, like, even if you're not a botanist, you know mallow. So um, okra being the most famous mallow of all. And so it's slimalicious. Um, I love the, it. The cool word is mucilaginous. But all of your, all of your mallows are mucilaginous in similar ways, some more, some less. And so we have things like ceda. And so all of them are cooling and moistening. And that's that concept of energetics, of understanding what's the different effect that plant has on our own imbalances. So I would say if you have a hot, dry something, you could mash that plant up and slap it on a hot, dry rash or something. I just want to say, if you do, uh, make sure that you take the seed pods out and destroy them before they spread. Yeah, just, they're, they're vicious little yes, spreaders. they're terrible. And, all right, Tom, do you have any other questions no, for Bob? No no known use for those seed pods at all, huh? Because those are the easiest <laughs> ones to harvest. Well, yeah, good job. I, I will add that I think Tom is talking about chickweed. Oh, that could be. Because Caesar weed is like a big thing that's being attached to you. But chickweed is like those tiny little green so Velcro. Pods, yeah, so if it's tropical chickweed rather than true, true chickweed, Stellaria media grows further up north. You get about a two-week season here. But the tropical chickweed, which is Drymeria cordata, is actually edible and medicinal. That's, what I, that's what I think he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, if that's true, then heck yeah. They're tiny So, so uh, Tom, mm -hmm. look up West Indian chickweed and yeah. then... Uh, you know, properly idea. And uh -huh. then good luck. Thank you, Kitty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Tom, 
or no, not Tom. Tom, you were the guest, but don't answer this, Tom. So, uh, Bob, <laughs> on Instagram, mm-hmm. and I, I found her through like CBS this morning. She's called the Black Forager. Her, oh, she's so I love her. funny. Her name is Alexis. So funny. Her name is Alexis Nicole. She has 1.2 million followers. She's in Ohio, and a recent um, post she did was. She was replying to a family who had found some orange mushrooms. Oh my gosh! Cooked them for, prepared them for the family, and the entire family got ill. And her response, as the forager, was, "You looked at a mushroom. You saw that it was orange." And then you stopped the identification. Right. You just said, "Oh, orange mushroom is this." Yeah, it's good. And, and she said, Alexis said, "That family's very lucky that they didn't need something more toxic." Yeah, yeah they could have been. But dead. she said, "If you would have just looked at the shape, if you would have looked at the gills, if you would have looked at where they're growing, you would have realized that it wasn't what you thought it was." So, speaking of you studying, uh, you know, for two hours a day, yeah. um, Bob, where are your go-to sources to ID? Uh, your herbs, you know, these days, r- you know, rather than going to the Peruvian right. uh, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I, it, it's interesting. I, I always say I'm an herbalist, not a botanist, and so I know the plants I know. But taking some basic botany, I think, for anybody who plans to wild, wild forage in some form or fashion is really important. And even though med- mushrooms are highly medicinal, so many yummy edible ones, one of my favorite foods and all its different permutations, I say I'm great with plants. I stink at mushroom ID. Mm-hmm. And it is almost an entire different path of IDing plants. And so I own all of the mushroom ID books for uh, Southeast United States. But to take the time to... Uh, do the spore print to look at the type of wood that it's growing on, to break it, look at color changes in the flesh of the mushroom, how the stem is arranged is an art all to itself. Um, I've taken some mushroom classes and I have like my five mushrooms I'm really good with. Uh, But even then, I stop and make sure that I'm doing proper ID, even if I'm 95% sure. Um, So, Taking a class on mushroom ID in particular, I think, is really important. Um, having resources with you, or if you're like, I think I'm right, but I'm super paranoid, I would actually go to something like the University of South Florida, uh, the Extension, and make sure that you're IDing those plants right. I, <laughs> it's so bad. Um, I think that so many people make mistakes, and that family is really lucky they're, they're still alive and didn't have yeah. major damage. Um, they probably survived because they did cook them. That will, in some types of mushrooms, detoxify them or make them more edible. Um, but I see the same mistakes. I see so many people online, Facebook, and so forth, misidentifying so plants. So many. The plant ID uh, apps on your phone are not accurate by no. any stretch of the imagination. You still have to learn some basic foundational botany skills uh, to be analyzed the the flower, the stem, the leaf margins, and the growing conditions to make sure you're getting what you think it is. And if there's ever any doubt, don't eat that. And the weird thing about that <laughs> misidentification like that is that because someone doesn't know and they get this from a source they believe knows, they are satisfied with that answer. Yes. So that stops them from investigating 
more because I see it all the time on garden uh, programs, uh, you know, on on Facebook programs because uh, I'm always re-identifying those it, It's really funny. <laughs> One of my favorite classes I've taught a couple times was Herbal Mistakes. Yeah, that's and a good I've been one. doing this for way, I like yeah. formal full-time practice for over 20 years and um, lots of part-time more, you know, friends and family kind yeah. of thing for 25 years prior to that. And I've screwed up my share of times. Uh, nothing lately. I learned from my mistakes, but uh, I was really um, excited. A, I'm never afraid to say how I screwed up. Um, as long as I learn from it, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, and nobody gets hurt. Yeah. But I was so proud of Patricia Howe. She uh, is the director of an herb school up in uh, Georgia. And she was out with her class teaching wild foraging. And they were uh, what she thought was harvesting Queen Anne's lace. <gasps> and it had been mowed flat. And oh. she's a really good botanist. And she didn't do her due diligence oh with her gosh. plants. Poisoned herself, figured out that she poisoned herself. Hemlock? And, yep, hemlock. Oh my God. And gosh. she took a picture. She was in the hospital for three days That's and took a picture and serious. said, You always, always don't get too full of yourself and not do good, proper checking. Wow. Um, and so I don't care how long you've been doing this or how many letters you got after your name, you never, never uh, like assume you know anything without triple checking. All right, we got a. That's very good advice. We have yeah. a couple of uh, emails. One is from, uh, let's see, Bob Hope Jr. He says, Bob is dedicated to finding a solution to my problems. I get ongoing relief from Bob's herbs. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. And then we have another uh, question from Rebecca. Uh, Bob, are there any natural recommendations p- for peripheral? Peripheral. Peripheral neuropathy. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you do. Peripheral neuropathy, ones. pain, and burning. Um, obviously, the the cause of it can be anything from blood sugar issues to nerve damage to radiation chemotherapy are all possible and, and lots of other reasons. Those are the, the heavy hitters usually. Certainly lots of other things like acupuncture and so forth. But from an herbal perspective, one of my go-tos for any kind of inflammatory nerve disorder is topical. And and on the skin, not ingested, St. John's wort oil. Um, It is phenomenal. And using it once to twice a day, applying a small amount to the area of nerve pain, which is basically all that means, um, usually takes about a month or so. St. John's wort internally has huge risk factors associated with it. It interferes with 50% of all prescription meds to include birth control. And so I I hate to say it, one of my uh, students is now in acupuncture. She ended up running away to acupuncture. And a mother. And now a mother of five children, (laughs) two of which were a surprise. And she has St. John's work plant tattooed on her arm. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I will say like, uh-uh. If you're on anything that does not come from the grocery store as a food, <laughs> then don't take St. John's worth it. If you're on zero over-the-counter prescription medication, St. John's is a wonderful herb and can be an effective internal addition as well. Super safe, just not with medications. So the external, uh, your body doesn't absorb it enough in a way that it interferes? Is that right. what you're saying? Yeah, so it does it on the top, but it doesn't interfere internally, correct. even with the absorption. Yes, even though okay. it does get absorbed, the amount and the chemicals that are interfering with those medications doesn't happen from a topical. Okay, thank you. One thing um, 
that might be a little better than wild foraging is growing some of these herbs at your house. And then the other benefit of that is you can see them over the seasons and then you can really identify the flowers and the seed pods and the leaves. So, uh, Bob, can you tell us some of the medicinal plants that are native or that you can easily find in central Florida that you could also probably grow in your backyard. Yeah, yeah you know that it's at the school in in St. Pete. We've got a half acre teaching garden there with mostly native plants. I won't say they're all natives because I grow some really weird, cool stuff. Uh, <laughs> that so I can do exactly what you said. One of my favorite things to do is that act of planting a seed. Um, and watching it go through its life cycle over a year or years, um, watching it propagate itself in its natural environment, I think allows you to understand a plant in a completely different manner um, and really get an appreciation for the plant. So I think every herbalist, they don't need to have some big fancy garden or anything, but actually at least visit the plants in the wild to start to experience them. Native plants, there are... I'm going to say I know about 100 or so medicinal plants that grow uh, here in Florida. I grew up in the Bahamas as a teenager, and so I learned a lot of the Caribbean plants um, and enjoying traveling to Central South America. I've picked up a few. Um, One of my favorites I love to talk about is Spanish needles, Uh, Biden's alba. And, And I would say any of the Biden species, but alba is certainly the most common one. It's that rough little daisy-like flower that is in everybody's yard. Uh, I don't care how well you manicure it, that sucker's growing there. Um, That one is both edible, so you can like think of it as spinach, throw it into a pot, stir-fry it with some scrambled eggs, whatever works. But it is so effective as an antimicrobial. Um, My favorite indication for it is actually for a lingering cough after a cold and flu where you have clear or white phlegm, a teaspoon to a tablespoon of it chewed up fresh will resolve it. The flowers, the leaves, the seeds? Uh, All of it's okay, but the leaves are the stronger part. Leaves. Um, And I always prefer if it's already gone to flower uh, rather than before it goes to flower. It's stronger medicine uh, once it bolts. Um, but it will usually resolve that cough in a single dosage. And how much of that was that again? Teaspoon to a tablespoon. Teaspoon. And I, you and it, eat it raw, you chew I it. I like to tell people to chew it up. I think our experience with our medicine is better that way. Yeah. I've used it on kids as young as two years old. And with the two-year-old, I did make tea out of it and it worked. But I haven't given it to younger because I haven't had the opportunity. I put the flowers in my salad because oh, they're super so yummy. beautiful. Yeah. Too. And most flowers I, are sweet. I yeah. think if people... Don't know what this plant looks like. It's basically a, we call them weeds. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's like number one or number five of what uh, our pollinators are using. Yeah. So it's a It's covered great, with bees. Great pollinator. You know what I do, though, but a lot of people, you know, don't like it. So I don't let it go big. Uh, what happens is then it gets out of control. So what I do is I let it flower, uh, if, you know, a few, and then I'll let some grow and pull up the big ones when they get out of hand. And But I still have a lot of them growing around, but they're more manageable and they're more mm-hmm. attractive, actually. So, are there any laws governing herbalism? Herbalism. Can I be uh, <laughs> just pulling up weeds in my yard and offering them to people? <laughs> kind of, you can. <laughs> so it's really somebody might knock on your door. Yeah, right. So the the practice practice of herbalism is is not really regulated by the government. There's no licensure for herbal medicine. Yeah. So in the county, state, national level. 
you can go poof. You took a weekend class. You're you're a master herbalist now. That's a made up term. Oh my goodness! And so the harvesting of herbal medicine is regulated as to where we you can't take it from county, city, state, national parks. Um, and some herbs specifically like Sol Palmetto, uh, which is a Florida native, is now highly regulated because of the over-harvesting of it. And so you now need a permit to harvest that, even on your own land, technically. Um, but one of the things it, we have to be careful with as herbalists is if we say this herb cures cancer, you're going to get in trouble. Sure. Because there isn't double-blind placebo-controlled studies, and it's not approved by the FDA, and that's the only way we can make medical claims. So our languaging is important as herbalists. And what I encourage everybody, uh, whether you took my program or not, um, is through the American Herbalist Guild. That's our professional organization as herbalists, and they have the RH after my name is Registered Herbalist. And what that you can anybody can join and get lots of cool information. Go to the conference. It's super fun. Um, but if you work towards that um, acceptance as a, uh, to get that designation of registered herbalist, it means that you've got a core group of training um, that you meet a certain criteria of experience, you're turning in case studies, and you don't have to follow a particular school. There's no approved schools. You know, we're a member school, but that just means you're a member. Uh, And so, that I consider is a recognition by your peers, by your per- national professional organization. I think every herbalist should work towards that. Or if they're not like, I don't like to, you know, join big groups, then it's good to at least try to meet those criterias yes. of quality control to ensure the that standards. you're safe. Yeah. 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 Very good. I want to remind listeners that this is the Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Bob Lindy, a registered herbalist. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663, or you can send us an email at dj at wmnf.org, and we will read it on air. And we do have a caller. We have Garrett, and he has a question about honey. Hello, Garrett. It's a hot item. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hi. You have a question for Bob? Uh, yes. Um, I've read before that honey is antibacterial. Yes. So I was wondering. Can He's you shaking his head. It's radioed, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Can you use it like, like you would neosporin? And if so, is there a certain type of honey that you should use? Ah, uh, that question. <laughs> no, it's a great question. Thank you. Um, so, a lot of studies are done with Manukian honey that comes out of, I believe, Australia. Um, and the reality is any raw honey will work equally as well. They just chose that one to do the research. And so there are smaller studies that are using other honeys. They work fine. Um, and so I would personally, A, the Manukian honey is ridiculously expensive. Um, and it has to travel from Australia uh, to get here. So I prefer our local honeys. And it is antimicrobial in that it prevents the growth of microbes. But I personally don't use that by itself uh, if I have an active infection. Um, so it's effective for burns, for preventing uh, bacterial growth and things like that. So I'll actually use herbs sometimes mixed with honey, sometimes just mixed with water. Um, I recently stepped on some really large thorns that went most of the way through my foot and couldn't dig them out and quickly noticed that, oh, I have an infection from a puncture wound. And so I just did herbal soaks using things like uh, echinacea and chaparral and a few other very strong antimicrobial 
microbial and um, plantain because it has a drawing action to pull stuff out. Um, and so with twice daily soaks, I didn't have a need for the um, the honey. So usually honey's good for some things, but not everything. Okay. okay. We, thank you, Garrett. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. We have three emails mm-hmm. and text messages, but they're all the same question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll consolidate. What? That must be a really big topic. No, it's because we didn't say something enough. They kept doing What it. is the name of the weed that heals the phlegm cough? And that's just repeated over and over again. Yes. So. <laughs> Spanish needles, beggar's tick are two common names. It's Biden's, um, B-I-D-E-N-S. Alba, A-L-B-A. And um, I do have a, a YouTube page uh, under the school, under the Tradition School of Verbal Studies, that I actually have like a 10-minute little walk talk uh, about that. Um, about that one? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and a bunch of other cool plants too. Yeah. But that's one of my favorites to talk so, about. So that's thank cool. you to those three people who <laughs> yes. wanted us to clarify. One of them was William from Lutz, and he proudly says he's a WMNF supporter. Oh, that's good. Um, I want, before you go, before you go, I wanted to say that those are going to be, I'm going to put that link on the oh, uh, web page, yeah. like our uh, our Facebook page. So if you guys want to get all these links and stuff, they'll be on the Facebook page that you can go to ours to look later. And the scientific names too, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, one of those three emails also wanted to know if you're chewing the Biden's Alba can you add mint tea? Oh, yeah. Into, can you add other herbs? Totally. But specifically mint tea. Oh, to make it taste better? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's really funny. I, I, and I, I'll stop myself. I could literally talk for the rest of the time just on Biden's. Um, <laughs> traditionally, most traditional cultures don't do herbs as singles. And that's the way we market them and sell oh. them oftentimes when we go to the health food store. And that's fine. There's, there's no risk necessarily involved with that. But classically, we combine herbs together. Um, you know, think salt and pepper. They're very different separately. Together, salt and pepper is this amazing spice that we put on everything. Um, and so we have a lot of pairing of herbs together. Um, uh, Biden's and Ceda, actually. Ceda, uh, Acuta, and some of the other ones that grow wild here. Uh, dandelion and burdock. We frequently do these herbs together to enhance their effectiveness. Yeah. Um, and so Biden's is one of those few that I actually use as a single, but super appropriate to add other appropriate herbs with that. Mint is just good and good for you, so it can't go do wrong. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, when you just brought that up, made me reminds me, uh, I understand that it's, uh, uh, that... Turmeric. I take turmeric uh, as a tea. I slice up my fresh turmeric that Great. I grew yeah. uh, in hot water, and then I'll put some other herbs in it. But I understand that you need black pepper to activate that for you to be able to absorb it. Is that correct? Sort of, kind of. Sort of, kind of. Okay. And, and I hate to say it, I am, I am the contrarian uh, when it comes to herbal medicine. Because I don't want to use black pepper. So don't. Why you not? don't have to. Why not? Because um, it's not good for my um, blood type uh, food sources. Yeah. So one of the things I always, uh, my criteria, because people are trying to sell me stuff all the time. Yeah. And, and I have two criteria. 500 years of traditional history or double blind placebo control studies. And then I want to read the study. Yeah. Uh, and, and so often people are, posting statements and making these huge things and you click on the study it's like a three mouse study 
and they make an <laughs> oh, inappropriate conclusion from it. Oh, so it's really too thin to all wait. And there is. I actually was like, I, I question everything. I repeat things. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't sound right. So I yeah. went and I researched, why do we, and it's, of course, a patented thing. We take the curcuminoids out yes. of the turmeric rather than a whole turmeric. And then we use biparaffin or whatever the heck it is, which is a chemical extract from the Chinese long pepper. And what it does is it slows the liver's processing of those chemicals that they extracted so it stays in the body longer. So it's actually interfering with the liver's ability oh to process. Oh, my gosh. So it's the opposite, really, of what you want it you, to do. You are getting, You just want to drink more of it. Right. So I actually oh. say, what's the tradition of turmeric? It's curry. That's interesting. And so it's a blend of anti-inflammatory digestive spices that make up curry and many other of the Indian spices. So I'm like, with you, I'm going to grow some turmeric or buy it it's at the store. It's very easy to grow, Ch- y'all. so easy. Chop it up, and or I'm just going to put curry in my scrambled eggs. I'm going to put curry on my sandwich. I'm going to put curry on everything. That's a great idea. And it has more benefits as an antimicrobial, digestive anti-inflammatory. I've, had, I've noticed the <laughs> results since I've been drinking. I drink in my tea every night. Yeah. One thing that I like to do is to have golden milk. Mm-hmm. Do you know about that? I've heard of it, but I don't really it, know about it. It's pretty easy. You just take a non-dairy milk or real milk, yeah. and then you just put uh, coconut oil, sometimes a sweetener like maple syrup, but I just do turmeric. And, you can uh, do stevia if you want it, right? Yeah. yeah. Turmeric, ginger, Oh, that's sometimes, sometimes I do have black pepper, but we do have a couple. What's it for, Kenny? What's it for, Bob? <laughs> why, why am I drinking this? <laughs> it tastes good. Yeah, I don't know. It it's super good. relaxing. Golden it's a lovely milk. nighttime yeah. drink. Yeah. No, it's it's basically an anti-inflammatory digestive aid. Ah. Uh, it's very relaxing. Um, it smells delicious. Smells it's wonderful. just like soothing it's, at night. It's yeah. pretty too. Yeah. And, it? and it's energetically, we say it's warming. And I know that sounds weird for some people, but. If you eat, you could pull a, a fresh watermelon out of the field, crack it open and start to eat it. It actually is cold to the touch. Like you stick your hand in there, even though it's air temperature. Right. And in the same sense, we could go dig up a ginger plant and break that root and eat it. It's not spicy like cayenne pepper, but it warms your belly. And so we look at how does it feel? What is its action on the body? And that's how we understand how do we match the right herb up? That is so interesting. You know, I want to, just one thing, we do have a bunch of calls, but real quick, <laughs> I just want to say that I I love cold stuff, frozen mm-hmm. things. I freeze everything and I eat frozen <laughs> grapes, I eat frozen cherries, I oh, eat frozen, things, and I pour juice in, in ramekins and eat that. I just love it. And I, because I always thought I ran hot. Well, you know why I ran hot? Because I ate cold things. <laughs> so now I've stopped with the freezing of everything and I've improved a lot. Yeah. It was really interesting. That's, so that's it. <laughs> All right. So like Andy said, we do have a couple of callers, and I think there's a, some repeats, but I'll take the person who's been on the line the longest, Richard. Hi, Richard from Tampa. Hi, guys. Great show. And it's so interesting because I just now in the last five minutes uh, tuned into you. Um, I'm Thank really you. interested in Yo, wonderful. I love your show. Always. And. I'm really interested in learning more about going out in the field, because I like to hike and bike and all over Tampa Bay, and learning about the plants. On the, men, on the links you mentioned on your website, mm-hmm. are there classes you can take to go out yeah. and actually into the field and with a, with a botanist like yourself and say, eat that, don't eat that, you know, that kind of thing? Great, yeah, I, great question, and I'll just add that. We do have a couple of other callers who also have that same question, awesome. how to become okay. a herbalist. So there, there's lots of opportunities, and I, there are a number of people in the, the Florida community that focus on talking about the edible medicinal plants. Mine 
tends, although I mentioned edible plants, I focus on the medicinal properties. Other uh-huh. people like uh, Green Dean from eattheweeds.com. Yeah, he's folk, great. I know, I love, I love him. And he focuses more on the edible properties and doesn't talk medicine a lot. Mm-hmm. And so depending on where your interests are and, you know, Green Dean travels all over the Florida state. I stay in the Tampa Bay area usually. I'll occasionally, like, I'm going to be hopefully up at Earth Skills this year, uh, which is kind of that... Um, uh, not just focused on wild medicine, but everything from hide t- tanning to flint napping and you name it. Oh. Um, my first time was last year. I had so much fun. Uh, I'm doing a, an herb walk on the uh, New Year's Day. So for all those people who didn't overly party the night before, they're going <laughs> to get rewarded. Yes, I'm not. Everybody else might. I don't do anything. I don't do anything. Uh, I don't so do anything I believe it's... it's uh, you can find on the school website or Facebook page or whatever. I'll but have that link as well. Awesome. Yeah. And that's 9 o'clock at Forest Bluff Park. Nine um, Forest Bluff Park. I have a few other herb walks scheduled and also, you know, the, that's hard and fast. Uh, you know, it helps if you got a little botany behind you. Um, we also yeah. have classes like the 101. And I mentioned earlier, like those levels of herbalism. So we've lost our grandmother's medicine. Uh, and our access to that knowledge. And so that 101 class is a standalone weekend intensive where we do two herb walks. Um, but that's designed to reacquire that knowledge and not talking about European herbs very much, not talking about the Northeast. We try to look at our bioregional plants as the primary focus of that and some really basic cool. foundational medicine making. Wonderful. Do you ever do a mushroom class, like in the field? Or you missed that part of the show. I missed that part of the show. I heard about the orange mushroom. Yes. Or a fungus. I wish it was colored. Don't eat it. Yeah. We did have a show in November about foraging and. Oh, I heard that. Foraging. My son goes mushrooming was a book. Yes. And she's a forager. And you know what was weird, Kenny, is that I called a zillion people. To try to find someone that was a local forager that would be on this show of mushrooms could yeah. not find them. So I don't know how many there are around. But I'll, it I'll find you some. I forget right. his name, but Where I know too. Thank you, Richard. Uh, actually, from you guys, I love it. Have a great show. You Ma- mushrooms. He's not Tampa Bay, but my calls. Stevens and Kahaha Mycology, I, Michael. I, I tried to get in touch with him. And He's hard. Have, All okay. right. We have several other uh, <laughs> calls. And uh, next we'll take Sez in Bradington. Hello. Sez? Yes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Do you have a question about becoming an herbalist? Well, I, my taking this question to another level, um, I... I find that um, having traveled many different countries in the world, that they're not all doctors are interested in herbal medicine, but that what you get as doctor for or what you doctors treat or the medicine they use, especially South America, let's say, going down there, you get, you know, the shamans. And getting a... Um, navigating the medical system here that we don't have those, um, let's just say, a you know insurance-paid physician that treats with those types of medicine. And you know, do you think that there's even a strategy in our healthcare system to develop a physician like that, or is it always going to be? I want to say subjugated, but um, it's a um, to me, I. Oh. 
work with or have experience with medicines like um, ozone therapy. Can you Are, speak into the phone? Well, let's have uh, Bob answer. Yes. yes. So there's a there's a couple of really good points you brought up, and, and I'm going to go a little far afield from what that is. A, one of the reasons I do herb walks and, and doing ones like on New Year's Day and so forth and putting a YouTube channel up is because you should be able to go out into the your backyard, into uh, the, the wild and find your medicine. There's an idea that, that we talk about in herbal medicine sometimes that everything you need to heal whatever your issue is grows within 10 miles. And that's the distance it would take for a, an herbalist or a healer to walk, harvest the medicine, and bring it back to their client, their patient that day. And so the problem is we lost the knowledge. And so and the of, open fields and the open fields, yeah. yeah. And so, like one of my, uh, you know, uh, to get it a little out there, but like, no, one of my purposes in life to have people reacquire their power and control, so that they have, they're no longer in a passive position in the healthcare system, that they are responsible either through dietary action, exercise, but also to be able to get that medicine that they need. And so that is one of the reasons I'm constantly talking about this stuff. I, I will also say, and you know, you brought up the idea of shamanism, and that is a part of herbal medicine. And whether we're looking at the physical or spiritual really doesn't matter. But it's really popular to burn desert sage, all right? And so I was like, oh, I'm going to go sage my house. Mm -hmm. And that is a threatened species. It's over-harvested. It's showing up at Walmart at this point. Um, and it's usually been taken from indigenous lands out west. And the reality is every traditional culture uses um, smudge. They're burning things. And whether we're burning frankincense and myrrh as we're going down through a, a Judeo-Christian ceremony whether we're burning incense in Asia, um, all of these are burning something in order to create a spiritual thing. And so we have a number of different plants that are classically used as smudge that grow wild, and cedar being one of the basics. Yeah. Um, and so I really encourage people to put down your sage um, and start finding those aromatic spiritual plants that are yeah. local here. We have gumbo limbo, we've got cedar, uh, we've got the, um, oh, wow. I can't think of the other one that's a Palo Santos re replacement. It's like the Northern Palo Santos, Ligdom Vitae. Yeah, there we go. It's in my brain. <laughs> well, I, don't, I mean, it might have been an annual, but still. It, it, I, I teach classes in that area. Yeah, so, you know, we thank have, you, says. We, we appreciate your call, but we have a couple more calls and we're running out of time. <laughs> so we're going to roll to that. Thank you for calling that. Yeah, so it. we only have about four minutes left. Oh. Uh, Jimmy and St. Pete. Hi, Jimmy. Jimmy, can you turn your, the radio down or off? All right. So Jimmy is a USF graduate student, and they said they wanted to share that Biden's Elba is related to sunflower. Oh, I think that's right. Yes, it, it is a... Um, it, it has a daisy-esque yes. type of a look yeah. to the flower. Yeah, it's not a laminaceae. It has a square stem, and so it has some attributes of a mint family, laminaceae, but I believe he's right that it's an asteraceae. And those that you don't know, mint has a square stem. Yes. <laughs> now, um, we have a couple of messages as well. This would be funny if it is from Andy Ferk, but it says Andy oh. Ferk um, does weed talks. Yes, sorry, no, I didn't just kidding. Andy. Yes, love Andy. That's from Mike in St. Pete, and he says, Great show. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike. And then Jeff in Tampa says, Great show today. Bob is a fascinating guy with a great sense of humor and real insight. My favorite kind of professor. Oh. Well done, you guys. Thanks. So we only have about three minutes left. Oh. Um, Bob, we, so we mentioned you're doing 
the walks and the talks. Um, can you just say the name of your say the name of your organization and sure. where people can learn more? So I, I, I have no life, so I literally work seven days a week. So acupuncture and herbal therapies is the clinical end, and also an intern clinic that my senior students get practice at, supervised as well as acupuncture interns. And Tradition School of Herbal Studies, where we do free and not free. Oops, oh, sorry, not allowed to say that. Never mind. We are Tradition School of no Herbal fees. Studies. My bad. <laughs> But you can still register. Yes. yes. And Check yes. it out. We Our new website just launched. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, I'm super excited. Now, isn't there something that's coming up that's a, a, a daytime thing that you're doing? Yeah, it's... I took a couple of days off, my first in a long time, so I decided to fill it with stuff. Uh, so we're doing <laughs> a stress, uh, we're doing two stress clinics on the 22nd and the 23rd at the clinic, uh, which is 2520 Central Avenue in St. Pete. Uh, we'll do a community style acupuncture. Um, we'll probably just, I'll, I was dreaming about it this morning when I woke up about some sort of a stress tea. My students will be doing ear seats and things like that. And then January 1st, uh, we're doing the uh, Herb Walk at Forest Bluff Park. I think those are the only biggies coming up this year. And I'll again, they'll be on the list. <laughs> I wanted to tell you what what the seeds are because I had that done to my oh. ears. So they put these little seeds in here and oh. put a little tape on it, and it's to press the certain points of the acupressure uh, to work on certain parts in your body. Yeah. Some of them really hurt yeah. because you know you're really sick in that area. <laughs> Stress and pain are the two things it's best for. It and actually, amazing. Oddly, drug addiction as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> Well, don't worry about that. <laughs> so we only have about a minute and a half. Bob, can you just quickly talk about when you became a TV star? <laughs> so there's a really long version of that that I will spare you all, but I was contacted by like the equivalent of the Discovery Channel in Ecuador uh, to come down there, and it ended up turning into a 12-part TV series, uh, Sancion con Bob Lindy. Um, I don't speak Spanish or Quechua, and I was meet, meeting with a lot of the native healers all around Ecuador. It's uh, NTTV is on all of Spanish-speaking uh, Central South American Caribbean, uh, and you can find it on YouTube as well, I-N-T-I-T-V, and just put in Lindy, L-I-N-D-E, uh, and it'll pop up with all kinds of interesting things. Bonus if you have a friend who speaks Spanish, because then you'll understand more than I do. Well, and his words are subtitled for the Spanish yes. to read, right? No, yes, exactly, so. yeah. So you can hear all mine. I say cool stuff. That's, we, we don't understand <laughs> what the questions are. <laughs> all right, very good. So we're just about at time. We do have a couple of... Uh, emails and callers, but we can't take you. But sorry, if you go to WMNF.org, you'll see later today that we'll have show notes about Bob Lindy, and then we'll have all of his links, and then you can contact him, your questions. Um, I will read this one. Thank you so much for the show. So great, informative. Much gratitude, Julie. So thank you, everyone who participated. Thank you, Mr. Bob Lindy. Thanks. If you enjoyed this show and our weekly content, please go to WMNF.org, donating through the tip jar and directing your donation to the Sustainable Living Show. Stay tuned. In the next hour, you will hear WMNF Tampa's Monday Music with Fleet. And make sure to tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show. We'll have Raleigh Barnes with Apollo Beach Garden Club and Community Forest Garden. Follow our Facebook page, Sustainable Living WMNF, to stay in the loop. And also listen to our past shows. Just go to Listen On Demand on WMNF.org so you can hear this again. I'm Annie Ellis. And I'm Kenny Coogan. Remember, if you're looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. And you are listening to WMNF Tampa. Bye-bye.